0: Well, welcome everybody. Like um, Mike was saying, Pastor Mike's out this evening, but he'll be back on Sunday, so we'll be looking forward to him. We're going to be in Acts 6, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. Uh, For this message, I was thinking about how each of us has our very own story as far as how we came to Christ. But something we don't think about often is, you know, what that continued journey or what that story story continues to look like. And, And I think what a lot of us wrestle with is... Um, how we serve the Lord and um, what that service looks like and I think um, I think that's a lot something a lot of people can relate to and last time I shared we were reading about Paul and seeking the will of God today we 're going to be learning a lot um, and reading about Philip um, the deacons and evangelists and his example in god's w- um, serving within god's will and I think we can stand to learn a lot from philip so that's what we 're going to be um, talking about today and reading about so before we get into the word let 's go ahead and, and um, say a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we um, thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. Uh, we pray that your message, Lord, is heard tonight, Lord. And I, I pray that uh, your words and your words alone are are spoken, Lord. And um, we just uh, thank you uh, f- for the provisions and the facilities. And, um, and it, it, we know these things aren't needed, Lord, but we just thank you, Lord, uh, that you protect us and you look after us and uh, you look after your flock, Lord. And um, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your love and grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Like I said, we're going to be going over, we're going to be talking about Philip, so we're going to be sk- skipping through Acts a lot. And I know uh, we're going to be in Acts 6 and Acts 8. And um, each, each, of, each of those stories, each of those have, have their own message. We can spend a bunch of time on, on each of those. But we're going to be going through and just looking at um, Philip's uh, journey as we go through. So Acts 6, and we're going to read 1 through 7. I'm going to go ahead and read through, and then we'll go, th- go back through it. Acts 6, 1 through 7. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows weren't ne- were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom may whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Paramenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they sat before the apostles, and when they had prayed they laid hands on them then the word of god spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith so here we are we're introduced to um to philip and you know we don't know anything that was going on before that but we know since he was chosen by the people that he obviously was somebody that was you know well respected So we look back at uh, verse 1. Why why were they in this position to begin with? Now in the days the numbers of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Uh, We're already, the church is uh, um, burgeoning, it's it's, it's growing, and we're already starting to see that maybe the beginnings of a church split. We have the Hebrews and the Hellenists, both Jews, both Jews, but. The Hebrews were coming from Judea, and, and the Hellenists were, were of Greek origin. So we're already starting to see a split. And while it, it's, um, the apostles are doing a fantastic job of getting out there and spreading, spreading the word about Christ, uh, they're running into just basic church plant issues, right? Just, the, just the taking care of the, the, the everyday goings-ons. Um, and what we're seeing is an unintentional wrong. And it's something that Satan loves to capitalize on to divide the church. And that's why it's very important to address stuff like this as soon as possible. You know, how often do we let little, things, little petty things divide us when we're, when we're taking it, when we contrast it with, with the, the importance of the message of Christ? In verse 2, the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Um, this wasn't going to be a vote of the congregation, so don't, don't mistake in this. This is how they served the congregation. They t- the 12 picked seven, and my guess, these were going to be Greeks or Hellenists, and already serving in some sort of compa- capacity. All right? This is a, a leadership style. that's something you that learn in the military or even in the business. It's like one of, the, one of the ways is like you can just be absolute authoritarian, or you can get input from the people that, you're, that are working for you. And that's the wisdom that the apostles had here. It's like, pick from your own people, because obviously they know what the problems are and what needs to be served. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who may appoint over this business, that we may appoint over this business. One of the, the, the requirements was honest, He's uh, to be a man of the word and the, and the man of his word. And then two, full, full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, this wasn't going to be a beauty contest, right? It's not a beauty contest. You, you look around at some of the, the, the men, elders, deacons, I'm going to get badgers. This isn't a beauty contest, right? It, it, it is a fruit of the spirit contest. It's not a contest at all. But people that are going to be serving in this capacity, they're already serving. They don't need to be asked. They're already serving. In fact, they just need to be given permission to do it. And that's what what they're looking for. And and who better than the people that are already being served by these men? Full of wisdom. He sees everything from an internal perspective. A deacon is not a knee-jerk reacting Christian. He needs to help the pastor calm the ship during this time of the storm. Right? With, the, with this issue, the, the, the apostles didn't see this, that serving tables was beneath them, but I, I, I liken it to when I, I was working on with the Marines, and I, I as a young man, I saw that these generals had everything done. They had a driver. They had somebody to take care of their dry cleaning. Someone cooked for them. I had an issue with that. I was like, how, why are they getting all this service? But then when I was like matured and I started to understand, oh, this person that makes all these important decisions, I don't want them wasting time. You know, doing their dry cleaning, ironing their clothes. Somebody else should just so they can focus on it. What are are these apostles doing? They're sharing the word and they're praying. They they treated praying as a a 24-7 job. Praying. That's what it says here in 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And that should be the focus when we're support, supporting men like that, allowing them to be prayerful, allowing them to be ministering the word. The apostles were wise to stay true to their original calling and wise to give opportunity to allow others to be lifted up in service. And it is a blessing. It is a blessing to, to serve. It is a, in regards to what the capacity is. And, and five, and saying, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So again, these men are all, so, and, and Philip and all of them, they were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Going back to the service, people, shouldn't, people should count it a privilege to serve the Lord in these basic, practical ways and saying seeing them as un, a spiritual burden. Can we think of a, maybe something that wasn't very spiritual, that our Lord, our Savior, did that was a, a wonderful gift. Apart from the cross, Jesus showed the ultimate measure of love by simply washing his disciples' feet. What message would that have been sent if that he would have said that was beneath him? And when, in fact, that was a, 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 another way of showing his love. So we read through all, all of that and we start to have an understanding of who Philip the deacon is a man who was ready, a ready servant. For an immediate filling that needed to be filled in the beginning of the church. Now, have you turned with me to Acts eight, one through thirteen? Now we're gonna we're gonna. When I was um, last time I taught, we were. Um, we left off, like I said, we were we saw Paul, and towards the end, he 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 ran into Philip, and Philip welcomed him into his house. And we're going to re- revisit that, but here we are, and he is right now being called Saul, right? He's being called Saul, and he is not the Paul character that we know know of him today. But he was a much different person. Um, Saul was just given permission to, to, to kill Stephen, one of the, the one of the the. Um, The seven, the chosen seven, and that's where we're picking up here. Now, Saul was consenting to his death, that means Stephen, at the time of the great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men cried Stephen to his burial, excuse me, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, and entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore those who, were, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching in the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing miracles which he did. Unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed. And from least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, and as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing miracles and signs which were done. That's a, that's a big jump from going to serving. Um, widows to now we're we're casting demons um so obviously we see that Philip was had the heart for the Lord in serving in any capacity that he was given and the Lord obviously blessed him in um 1 through 3 Stephen a Hellenistic Jew um, a Jewish follower of Jesus he and a few of his friends were appointed to a specific ministry or task, and task that was his, to help the widows stephen was not just a servant leader he was good at making sure widows were included in the distributions of their daily bread he was a miracle working spirit empowered witness and that Jesus was Israel Israel's crucified risen and ascended messiah who gave one of the greatest sermons ever preached consider the high hopes the early church and the Hellenists in particular would have ha- put in this man, thinking of him as a potential impactful leader would have over a few decades of ministry and how horrified and devastated they must have felt to see him die so soon. So when you hear about lamentations over him, that was the state of this, this group of people. And you can think about the state of the mind of those servants that were serving around him, uh, those other seven, and what would their reactions be? We think about the trials that we face in our service Somebody looked at me the wrong way. Someone's teaching something I didn't want to teach. All right. Why isn't why isn't the the, the, the Sunday service at nine instead of eleven? I asked that question. You know, nine and eleven instead of you know eight forty-five and and ten forty-five. What small things that we, we 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 bicker about, and here they are. You know, you got you got Saul. He made havoc in the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. All right, and we're going to see what Philip did in his response to this trial. Read in 4-8. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing miracles, which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame were, were healed. And there was great joy in the city. That is a far cry from lamenting to there is great joy. Philip could have ran for self-preservation. But what we see here is we get Philip teaching and preaching and spreading the word. This energetic preaching would later earn him the title, Philip the Evangelist. But more about that later to come. And in 1913, but there was a certain man called Simon who was previously practicing sorcery in the city of Astonish, the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed and the least and the greatest, and saying, this man is the greatest, a great power of God. And they heeded him because he astonished them with his sorceries of long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached, the things concerning God And the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Does Philip have the the title pastor or bishop? No. At this point, do you really think it matters? Do you think Philip pays any kind of attention to the title that he's given? I think Philip was doing the same thing his heart was meant to do before he was given the title Deacon. Or, or one of the one of the one of the seven, or whatever, his heart was to serve the Lord. You know, adversity comes this way. Well, if the devil's that way, I'm going to go preach Jesus this way, you know, and not necessarily running from from, from uh, the problems, but necessarily what direction should I need? Do I need to be sharing the word? He was sharing the gospel, teaching about Christ, because his heart was for the Lord. The same servant's heart and attitude that got um, chosen to be the seven. The Lord keeps giving him more and more opportunities. That's a lesson for us today. Regardless of where you're at or what position or title is your service, if you have a heart to serve the Lord and you're prayerfully seeking the Lord, um, you, will ex- you, you are where exactly the Lord needs you. The Lord will put you where you need to be. And then let's we'll skip over to 826. Acts eight twenty six through 40. And now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the, the south along the road, which, God, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Cadence, the queen of Ethiopians, who had, char- who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was... He was led as sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers, in silent. So he opened not, to, not his mouth, In his humiliation, his justice, was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth, and the beginning, of, beginning at the, the scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Astros, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. One of the things I want you all to ask yourselves in, in, as, in your walk and as you're serving the Lord what is a, a non believing Christian? Or what does what a, a person of the world who's not a believer, what do they look like? What does a non-believer look like? You know, a lot of us probably are thinking uh, somebody that's troubled somebody that's, and, and somebody that's never been introduced to Christ. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, and let's, and, and there's a great example of this right here in, in the story. Let's see, Um, let's let's look back at the Ethiopian. Um, 27, so he rose and behold a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Cadence, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He had money. He had money. He had wealth. He was comfortable, we can even presume. Right. Sometimes we associate people who are comfortable or happy, and we, let's not share the gospel with them. Uh, that's wrong. The eunuch was in charge of the queen's treasury. His desire was to know the king, and there was a great emptiness in his heart, and he had come to Jerusalem to find God. We make too many assumptions about people and, and their perceived happiness as it somehow equates to being saved, and that could be further from the truth. But what else does it show? say that the, the, the um, Ethiopian had come to Jerusalem to worship? What does that tell you? He was going to church. Not everybody that goes to church is saved. Not everybody that goes to church is saved. He was going to worship. There were at least 8,000 Christians living in Jerusalem, and yet no one had, thought, had sought to reach out to the eunuch while the gospel, with the gospel of Christ. There are many people who come to church to worship on Sunday, and yet they leave the church still unsaved. You, you never know. You just don't know who, who needs it. And sometimes we, we're given all the signs that you know, we, they need to be spoken to about the truth, and we make assumptions. And sometimes it's just being neighborly and talking to them and, and starting a conversation and seeing where they're at with their walk. It's not being nosy. It's caring about their salvation. Not everyone who quotes the Bible understands it. Did he just not quote the Bible? I'll, 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 I'll take that a step further. That happens today. And it, may, it might have a little bit look. I, I can think of a very recent, and I see this every day, a very recent situation. I see a young man with a tattoo with a Bible verse. Don't have a clue what it means. Doesn't have a clue. But, you know, we see, oh, they, they go to a Christian school sticker on their, on their back window. They got a tattoo. They're saved. They don't have a clue. We should see that as an opportunity. Oh, let me ask them about that. I mean, that's God giving you a sign. Ask this young man. Ask this 16-year-old, this 17-year-old, but what the 17-year-old. Hey, what does that mean? Giving you, those who are a little bit shy, a reason, a door to ask somebody about their salvation. But we're shy. I struggle with it. We're bashful. I don't want to be told. They got Christian stickers on their car. Ask them about it. Hey, tell me about that. A lot of people love to talk about it. Some people, you know, you don't know. You will never know unless you ask. 28, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Although the eunuch had the scripture in his hand, he did not have a clue as to his message. You know, we hear people in... In the world, especially you know, the celebrities of today, you know, cite you know Bible verses and stuff and, and misrepresent them so many times. And then you'll hear kids regurgitating it. Those should you shouldn't you know you, you shouldn't point and say no, that's wrong. You should give look at it as an opportunity to educate them. Pour into them. Here's the truth. Here's what you need to know. another interesting thing, and some of you might have a hard time with this one, but let's find where that was at. Now, in 39, now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. If we take a back, look back, what was... What was Philip just part of? He was just part of multiplying the church, helping grow the church, helping the apostles grow the church. He was just part of a huge movement that we all would love to be part of. He just left that huge movement to go be with one person. Does that sound like something the Lord would have us do? Leave, leave the 99 to go, go to the one? The, the, the important thing, I think the thing that we have a lesson here is this part here and I just read it, but now they came out of the water and the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. We need to realize that the people that we share the gospel with and people that accept it aren't necessarily going to come to our church and that is perfectly fine. What, what we need to be rejoicing in as, just as uh, Philip and the eunuch were doing is rejoicing the fact that they came to Christ because they'll be joining us in heaven. That's what we need to be focusing on. And that again, that that that's a that's a that's a hard pill to swallow. It's like, well they gotta be over here. No, they don't. They need to be in a Bible teaching church. They need to be in a fellowship, they need to be in a, in a Bible study, they need to be, you know, seeking after the Lord. Our field of study is one book. It's the Bible, it's the word. But our practice is everywhere. Our practice is everywhere. We need to realize the kingdom of God is much bigger than the privacy of our own backyard. That's what we need to remember. A non-believer doesn't look a certain way. They look like us, they look they see somebody that's having a hard time, somebody that's having a good time, you know. They, they everybody. And then let's everybody turn it to Acts twenty-one with me. We're gonna be we we're gonna see Philip pick back up here in Acts twenty-one, eight through thirteen. So last time, and this this is a verse that I, I touched on last time I taught, and um, it was when Paul, when Paul formerly Saul met Philip, and I think this is really really I think this is probably for me it's one of the the biggest things for me about Philip. But let's read real quick, um, eight through thirteen, Acts twenty one eight through thirteen. On the next day, we who were Paul were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down to Jea. And when he came to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says this Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns the spell and deliver him into the hands of the gentiles. Now when we heard these things both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, "What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound but also die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord." There's a couple of things about Philip I, I think are very important that you can miss just in these, this, this text. If we were to look back, and you don't need to turn, but I'm going to turn back through real quick. And if we look back at 6, excuse me, 8, and we were just reading about how Saul of Tarsus was um, made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, and committing them to prison. What do you think the apostles were doing or thinking about Saul at this time? What do you think their opinion I don't know. But, I but we know that one of the things that they were, was really important to them was praying and ministry. That was their biggest work. And one of the things we talk about when we pray on Thursdays is praying for our enemies. Not that God would take them away, but save them. We don't know the Lord's plan and how the Lord will use them. Here we have a man, Saul made havoc in the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And then we look back here in Acts 21, and Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the same man. No, it's not the same man. It was a man reborn. We need to be prayerful for everybody. Well, remember why I, I, I asked you, what does, what does a, a, a non-believer look like? They look like a, a, a wide variety. We, and who should we pray for? We need to be praying for everybody to come to salvation. I think there's a Bible verse about that in there. The, the Lord desires everyone. And the other, the other important part is this picture. He has a household now. This picture of a household. He has four virgin daughters who prophesies. We, have, we see a household serving. We see a household serving the Lord. Another a great example of that I think we can, if we're looking to serve, we need to be serving our households and raising them up, raising up the next generation to, to lead people to Christ. The, 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 my last thought about this is just, we, we need to be in prayer. We need to be in prayer. We need to speak to the Lord. When we give the opportunity to serve. Serve. I mean, I can't believe I glazed over this, but, you know, you look back at Paul's, or, um, Philip's response to the angel of the Lord when he was going to talk to the eunuch. Back in Acts 8.26, Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to, Ga- Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, this is a desert. So he rose and went. The angel said, Arise and go. He rose and went. There was no questions. He's like, not now, not there, or maybe later, right? Not me. I've caught myself doing something. Somebody else might be better for that, better fit for that. I don't speak Spanish. I don't, maybe I shouldn't be doing Spanish ministries. But if the Lord tells you to go somewhere, you you better get going. Because the Lord's going to have his way regardless. And the same thing down in 29. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. He didn't just go. He ran, right? That when we're serving the Lord, that's the kind of attitude we need to have. We're not just going, we're running. I, I think about, you know, the, the day I go to see the Lord, I'm going to run and put my, feet at, my my head at his feet. And that's how we should be doing it when we're talking about serving Him. We should do it with a gust. you need me to take out the garbage? I'm gone. right? It doesn't matter if it's an opportune time or not. Be in the Word regularly so when the Lord gives the opportunity to share the good news, we share it with everyone, everywhere. Set our pre- preconceived ideas aside. We need to be sharing it with everybody. We need to be in the Word so that we, the will can, we need to set aside our own will so we can serve the Lord's will. That none shall perish. And we need to raise up our families in the word. That's our first place of service. You know, looking back at Philip's life, you know, he started as a deacon. He didn't, I don't think he necessarily was asking to be a deacon. He was just doing what he does, and he was trusted by the people to take care of widows. And that was a very important thing to do at the time. Well, it, it always was, but you know, if you were a widow in, 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 in the biblical times, you had, no, you had no one. If you had no children, on top of that, you really had no one. So that was a very important thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, um, something that was beneath him. So share the gospel. Share it with everybody. Share it with your neighbor that you think goes to church. Will they leave the same time we leave on Sunday? Hey, where do you go every day Sunday? Well, I go to church like you do. Oh, okay. You know, and you find out where they're going, and you've got a great new great neighbor who's also a believer. Or you find out they're going to Bunko or whatever card game or something that, that Generation out of me does. I don't know. <laughs> right? Just share I see you carrying a Bible around. Oh, yeah, I, I've had it. I just got it. My mom got it for me. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to put it. I keep, I keep it in my car. You think they're going to a Bible study, but they're not. The Lord gives us opportunities to, especially those that are a little more timid in the faith, gives us opportunities to talk to people. And that's all I do. I just want to encourage you today just to get out there and share the faith. So with that, let's uh, go ahead and uh, close in a word of prayer. And we've got about 15 minutes. We can have some intercessory prayer. Um, So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, again, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for examples, uh, real examples, Lord, uh, of Philip and the other seven, Lord, and the apostles. Uh, We thank you for the opportunities you give us, Lord, to serve you. We pray for more opportunities to serve you, Lord. And we pray for just the diligence to just to seek after your will, Lord, and to say yes. Uh, and, And be without further question and just... Not only go and do it, but just and run towards it. Running towards service, Lord, as if we're running towards you. Because that's what we're doing. We're serving you, Lord. It's, it's honoring you and glorifying you, Lord. Uh, so we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for uh, the blood that was shed for our sins, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.